This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So this morning, uh, we are officially uh, 23 days from Christmas. Uh, For some of you, that's like exciting times. I can't wait for Christmas. For some of you, you're running through all the things in your mind that you have to get done uh, between now and then. Uh, For many of us, we have some mix of that experience. Uh, But for the church, it is a time where we, we, we begin officially this season of Advent. And Advent serves for us as a liturgical time of the year where we anticipate uh, what we look forward to, where we expect uh, this season of Christmas, this Christmas day where we celebrate together uh, the good news that uh, God, as he sees God's creation and sees God's people, uh, chose not to leave us in our separation from God, but sent his son, uh, Jesus Christ, to be born uh, as a baby in a manger, uh, to, to live, uh, to die, to be raised again, and lead us to a new place where we have a new promise, a new hope, a new love, a new joy, a new peace. And for many of us, we have lots of ways that we anticipate and look forward and expect this Christmas season. Uh, one thing that we do in our, uh, in our staff offices uh, throughout the year uh, is occasionally we, we actually have a big whiteboard as you walk in, and occasionally throughout the year, uh, someone will just write a question. Uh, the questions will be sometimes just simple and, and silly. A few weeks ago, the question was, do you like cake or pie better? Uh, we had lots of debate on that. I think cheesecake was the winner. It's both a pie and a cake, so that was good. Um, this last week, uh, we put another question, which was, what puts you in the Christmas spirit? And our staff and folks that walk in the office can just have a chance to walk in there and write up different things. And, and I loved some of the answers. Uh, some people just said, like, you know, Thanksgiving. Once I get through Thanksgiving, I'm ready for Christmas. Uh, others debated that and said, really, they want to, like, back it up to Halloween, you know, get a little further, enjoy it longer. Uh, some said the Christmas playlist and music. I know many of you, like, you look forward to your radios changing and having different holiday uh, stations, whether it's on Sirius, XM, or other places where you listen to, uh, to music there. Uh, others say, uh, the, all I want for Christmas uh, is you. Is that what it is by Mariah Carey? I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to. Is that Angela? Angela said that. Angela's not here, so we'll, we'll claim that. So Angela said that Mariah Carey music, that may be it for you. It's not it for me. It may be for you. That's totally okay. No judgment here. We're, we're good with that. Uh, youth Christmas parties, uh, having everyone at home, family, different things uh, for different people uh, get us in the mood, puts us in the Christmas uh, spirit. Uh, for some of us, it's coming to services like this and uh, participating in Advent wreath lightings or hearing traditional songs like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, whatever it may be, we get a chance uh, to anticipate and expect a Christmas in many ways. Uh, the truth is that's always been the case. There's always been something in the church that prepares us and leads us toward this season of Christmas. Uh, even early Christians and early uh, and when they gathered in early places, they'd go uh, many of the same places we would. Now, it wasn't Mariah Carey, <laughs> uh, but it could have been other places, other music, other things they went to. For many of them, it was scripture. And they went to their traditional places, uh, traditions from the Old Testament writings, uh, traditions that led them uh, to anticipate, to look forward to uh, this truth that was uh, the Messiah. Often this time of year is a year, time of year where we uh, get uh, really deep into our traditions. Uh, we seek those long stories, the stories that have been happening for a long time that lead us to a new truth again and again. And so for the next four weeks, uh, that's what we're going to do together. Uh, we're going to go into uh, some many traditional places, uh, things like uh, lighting Advent candles every Sunday to help us anticipate and hear Scripture again. 
You'll hear songs like you heard this morning, like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we'll have liturgy that leads us into those spaces, and we'll go into Scripture uh, that are Scriptures that are very traditional for this season. Uh, scriptures you may have heard uh, if you grew up in church, uh, maybe even if you did not grow up in church, Scriptures that you might know and have heard that lead us and anticipate us towards Christmas. Christmas. And this morning, uh, we're going to do that uh, by going actually way back uh, to a Scripture from the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was a prophet. And Jeremiah was one uh, who, for the Israelites and then ultimately for the early church, uh, helped them to think forward to the thing that gives them hope. I'm going to pull up a map for a minute just to kind of remind us where we are. Chris, if you pull that up. Uh, Jeremiah lived uh, in 600 B.C., around that time. In 600 B.C., what was happening in the life of Israel uh, was they were in between uh, sort of two great exiles. Uh, The northern kingdom, uh, that sort of Galilee in Jesus' time, Uh, was exiled by a people called the Assyrians around 700 B.C. or so. And they'd been conquered and then pulled out of those homes and places that they knew and were familiar with. Around 600 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians uh, were doing the same thing for the southern kingdom, uh, the place where Judah and Jerusalem were. And they were coming in and conquering that place. And it's in that time uh, that Jeremiah uh, spoke God's word uh, to God's people. And they looked at Jeremiah for many things. Uh, Jeremiah is known often as the weeping prophet. Uh, He's the prophet that also wrote Lamentations. And so if you uh, have read Lamentations, Lamentations is not the place you go for great joy. Uh, Lamentations is the place you go if you need to be angry with God or cry out at God. And that's what Jeremiah wrote because he saw the Babylonians come in and begin to take over and displace uh, God's people in this promised land that they had been looking forward to. And so often Jeremiah's words uh, words of disappointment, uh, words of, of distress, words of anxiety, uh, words of brokenness. But he also offered words of hope. He always also offered words of a time that would come when things might be made right again. And so this morning, we're going to open up to Jeremiah uh, chapter 33. And the words we're going to be reading are from chapter 33, uh, verses 14 through 16. And then we're going to backtrack in a moment and go to chapter 32 as well. So if you have a Bible with you, you want to open with me. You can open to Jeremiah. Uh, You can keep it open as we kind of bounce around a little bit uh, this morning as well. But hear these words of hope uh, from Jeremiah, chapter 33, beginning with verse uh, 14. Jeremiah says uh, to a displaced people or a people being oppressed by Babylon, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jeremiah is looking around. Uh, at the people of God in Israel, in this promised land near Jerusalem, and their lives as they knew it were being disrupted. Uh, Their families were being displaced. Their government was under threat. Uh, All the things around them did not point uh, to a time of hope. And yet, uh, Jeremiah looked to these people and said, the God that we know, the God that we love, the God that we serve, that God's not done with us yet. That God still has a hope. 
and that God still has a future for each of us. A few chapters earlier, actually in chapter 32, he does something else, which is just a fascinating passage in Scripture. It's one of the ones I go back to often when I am sort of reliving, rethinking these this time. And it begins in chapter 32, uh, verse 2. And it begins sort of naming what's happening in that time when it says, At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. And the prophet Jeremiah was confined in the court of the guard that it was in the palace of the king of Judah. So again, to set the stage, he's in Jerusalem. The armies are, are coming in. They're actually besieging it at that moment. And Jeremiah is under house arrest in the guard of his king. And when that ha- happens, something fascinating happens. Beginning with verse 8, it says, Then my cousin, Hanamel, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, By my field that is at Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Okay. I just want to make sure we hear what he's saying. So Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. Armies are coming down in the city. He's under house arrest. And Jeremiah's cousin comes to him and says, hey, I've got a deal for you. <laughs> I've always thought about selling that family land that we had, you know, over there in Anatoth. Like, we, we've been sort of waiting on it. And I promised you if I ever was going to sell it, I'd sell it to you first. You should totally buy that land. <laughs> if my cousin came to me and said that, when my city was being attacked and destroyed and we were being, like, pulled out, I, I don't know what I would say to them. It might be words like, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Like, look around you. Are you crazy? Like, are you, are you paying attention? Don't you see just how broken things are? Like, you want me to buy that land now? <laughs> really? Really? It's like, what is that? I make a deal for some swamp land in Florida? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah that's right. Like, that's what he's saying, right? That's the idea. He's like, he's like come by. I've always, I love you, Jeremiah. Here, I'll make you a great deal. Like, 17 shekels of silver. That's it. I mean, like, I, I got you, right? That's what he says. But this is what's interesting. Verse 9. Jeremiah says, So, I bought that field <laughs> at Anatoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. And then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy. And I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, Baruch son of Neri, Neriah, son of Masaiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, in their presence I charged Baruch, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar, in order that they may last for a long time. Verse 15. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Jeremiah says, I know what's going on. I see it. I see the destruction. I see the brokenness. I see the displacement of families, the, uh, the, the removal of all things comfortable. And yet, I believe that we have a God who keeps God's promises. And God has promised that this promised land that we've been called into will once again be a place where fields and houses will be bought again. And so he bought the land. 
and he had them sealed the deed in a way that even if he was not the one to come back and get the land, the people of Israel will know that in a time of great trial, in a time of great distress, Jeremiah, as a spokesperson for God, not only believed, but lived as if someone, as if he was someone who had hope, who someone who believed in a future. One of the things that I have found to be true in the many years that I have been doing this and journeying with people in this season is that while the Christmas season is a season that is full of lights and excitement and joy and music, while this season is a time where we uh, celebrate together and eat together and gather around tables uh, together, uh, for many of us, uh, the season is not that simple. For many of us, the season is not simply a season where uh, all things are uh, colored lights and uh, Christmas trees and presents and wrapping paper. But for many of us, when we live in this season, it is a, a both-and kind of season. It is both a, a season of hope, but also a season of disappointment. It's a season of joy, but also a season of sorrow. It's a season of peace and yet also a season of chaos, a season of love, and a season of loss and brokenness. And one of the things that we have to ask in those times is as we experience that together, uh, what does it mean for us to be a gospel people who holds on to the both and? Like for Jeremiah, uh, his life was not simple. This was not simply a season where he said, like he was just an optimist that said, you know what, things should be good one day. Let's just buy a field. He wasn't being wasteful. He wasn't being uh, oblivious to the facts around him. He just recognized that part of his response as the one listening to God, to God and speaking for God was to be a person that realized his reality but also leaned into the hope of a future. Uh, this morning, as you heard the Advent reading read, uh, the Advent day for today is a day of hope. It's a day that when we still live in our realities, realities that are often marred by disappointment, realities of, of relationships that have not gone the way that we expected them to go, realities of maybe looking at our lives and, and seeing our families and, and not really thinking that a marriage was supposed to look this way <laughs> or raising kids was supposed to be this difficult, perhaps looking around our tables as we gather for meals and wondering, what if this table looked differently? Who's missing? Who's not here who should be here with us? We're looking at our careers, and, and we were people that had anticipated who had been excited for maybe living into retirement and, and living a new season, and yet we've not been able to get there yet for circumstances that may be beyond our control or circumstances that we caused. Or folks that are in retirement realize, you know what, I'm not very good at this retirement thing. This is not what I expected it to be. Or those that, uh, that see our country, especially this week as we remember uh, George H.W. Bush and his passing. And we begin to reminisce about what our country was like. And, and you know, we always look backward often with rose-colored glasses and remember, well, you know, it was really good back then, right? <laughs> you know, we remember when, did you remember when he did this? Remember when we did that? Or remember when we had this dream or that dream about what our country might be? And we look at the reality of our country today and, and for uh, for many people, it's not what those dreams would have been those many years ago. And there's, divided, there's divisiveness and there is brokenness and there is uh, decisions that are being made that don't always resonate with what we had dreamt this community and country might be. 
whatever it is for you, whatever those already or could be's or might be's or, or should have been's are, the good news that we come back to over and over again at Christmas is that when God looked at this world, when God looks at our families, when God looks at our communities, when God looks at our country, God's promise is a promise of Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The promise of Christmas is that God looked down and saw his creation and saw God's people uh, not fully experiencing and living the full life God desired for them, and God did not leave us alone. God chose instead to send God's Son, fully human, fully divine, to send God's Son to walk with us, to experience with us this life that we live, the realities uh, and the hopes the loss and the gain, the, the brokenness and the wholeness, the chaos and the peace. Jesus broke into this world as a tangible reminder that God never leaves us. The promise of Emmanuel is that in hard times, in suffering, and in joy, rejoicing, God's with us. Like, that's the good news. And the good news leads to great things, things like hope, things like Jeremiah in the midst of chaos while the city was being, like he was being sieged. Like at that time, Jeremiah looked to a future and said, God keeps God's promises. And so the question becomes for us, how do we live as that kind of people? How are our lives different? How do we change because a God gives us a hope for a future? And yet, while still recognizing that the reality we live in isn't quite yet living up to all the dreams that either God has had or we have had uh, for that uh, reality. In Revelation, uh, John uh, writes this passage. It's a passage that echoes uh, the passage that uh, Jeremiah writes, the new creation. John uh, looks forward again and says, you know, there will be a time. In Revelation 20, uh, 21 when he says, there'll be a time where there is a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. They will be God's people and, and God will be with them. God will wipe every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. John, like Jeremiah, points to a future, a future with hope. And so how do we do that? What does that mean for us? How do we live that out? I will tell you, hope does two things for us, and I believe these are things that are so important for us as Christ followers. The first thing that hope always do, does for us is gives us direction. It gives us direction. When we are aimless, when we are wandering, when we are in a place where we have been disrupted, hope says, here is a future. Here is somewhere to aim. Here is someone to put your, put your first step. For Jeremiah, it was buying a field. He said, I, I know where I'm headed. <laughs> I know where God's leading us. I know that God has a promise for us, and so I've got a direction to go. The second thing hope does for us is give us courage, courage to act. And I will tell you, the courage that God gives us to act, that hope gives us to act, is it gives us courage to take a first step to take a step toward something, take a step towards that future. And so my challenge for us, my encouragement to us is wherever we are today, wherever we find ourselves, whatever's broken, whatever's incomplete, that we would look towards the hope that is in Christ, that we'd come to places like this, 
that we claim the promises God's made for us, that God has a future for us that may look different than the one we have now, and that we would have the courage to take a first step. And so if you're in relationships that you feel like aren't quite right, ask yourselves, what is the first faithful step? What is the next faithful step that God calls me to? If you're experiencing brokenness with family, what's the next step that God calls me to? If your kids are not living into all the hopes and dreams you had for their lives, what is God's next step, faithful next step for me as a parent or as a child? If your career is not going the way that you'd hoped it had, what is is God's next step for me? How can I live faithfully into those uh, spaces? Or even if your relationship with God is not where you dreamt it might be right now, what is that next step? How is God calling you to take a next faithful step, a faithful step towards God's dreams and purposes for your life? Hope says, promise says, Jeremiah says, John says, that wherever we are today, doesn't have to be the end of the story. Wherever we are today doesn't have to be the final, final chapter in who we are and who we're growing to be. But God might just have something new for us. God might just have peace for us or love for us or joy for us or hope for us. So this morning, my invitation throughout this Advent season is that as we, we look toward Christmas, as we dress up our Christmas trees, and as we get and receive and give Christmas cards and all the, the fun that comes with it, that we'd also allow this season to be kind of New Year for us. You know, Advent, in the, Advent in the church is a Christmas New Year. It's the beginning of our new cycle, the beginning of what we look forward to. And I would invite you to not wait till January. <laughs> Like you don't have to, you don't have to wait till January one. Now maybe for like exercise you can wait that long because there's lots of food coming. But other than that, right, the diet can wait. Everything else should start right now. But where might God be calling you to make a small step right now? To see a small change, a small tweak, a small movement uh, towards living more fully into all the thing God, all the things God has for you. God's desire is that we too like Jeremiah, like John, like so many, might in all that we do grow closer uh, to the promises that God has for us, remembering all the way that we're never alone. Christ Emmanuel walks with us.